My name is Susie. I have three children, the youngest of whom struggles with anxiety, depression, and suicidal ideation. I never thought this could happen to me, and I miss the signs. Being a parent is really hard, but I'm here to help. I'm talking to other parents and experts to help you with the struggles that your kids may face. I want you to know that you are not alone and there is hope. I'm not a physician, therapist, or counselor. I'm just a mom. I want to see you smile again, take away that pain in them clouds that keep covering up the sun. On this episode of the Just a Mom podcast, I am truly honored and thrilled to be joined by two incredible women. Uh, BJ Thomas and Sylvia Harrell are here with me today in studio. And these two women, I've had the privilege of knowing for, oh, the last several years. And again, it's because of Will uh, that I came into this world of the mental health advocacy. And that's how I met Sylvia and BJ. And they do such incredible work that I really wanted the listeners to hear about a specific program they do called Give Me 20. And we'll get into that shortly. But before we do that, I just want to welcome you both and have you give just a little bit about a background about your family and your story. So thank you again for being here, BJ and Sylvia. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. So BJ, if you want to get started and just tell us a little bit about um, your family and your journey in the whole mental health advocacy world that you've been in for several years now. Sure. Um, well, like you, I never thought I would be in this world. I It just wasn't on my radar. Um, I live in Overland Park with my husband, and we have four children. Uh, Riley's 24, Reagan would be 21, Tanner's 18, and Eliana's 16. Um Five years ago, we were just living our best life, and um, Reagan at the time was a junior in high school. She was studying to get her certified nursing assistant um, certification so that her ultimate big goal was to become a nurse, but she started working on that her junior year of high school, and she was stressed. She was overwhelmed. There, it's, it's a lot. And I knew that she was stressed, and we talked a lot about how to manage that, and I just didn't really ever think that it was more than stress. And she was home, sick, um, not at my house, but at her dad's house. Um, She had strep, and was just really feeling pretty miserable. And we were chatting that morning. Um, Riley was sitting at my desk and we were all three just texting and laughing and joking around and the girls were making plans. They were going to Disney with their dad over Christmas break. And um, everything was fine as far as I knew. And then later in the day, I tried reaching out to Reagan to just check on her see how she was doing and I didn't get a response so I waited a little bit I texted again and then later I called and nothing and so I Riley was taking finals and she came home and I said I can't get a hold of your sister and she said well that's weird because dad texted me during my final and asked me about our address and 
we had only lived in our house for six weeks. We had just moved in. And I said, well, that's weird. What does he want your address for? Like, he knows where we live. She was like, I don't know. And I said, we'll call him back. So she did. No answer. And I said, well, that's, I don't know. That's just weird. I have a weird feeling about it. So she called her uncle. If there was anything going on, he would know. Called him, talked to him. No, I haven't talked to your dad. I haven't talked to your sister, but I'm sure you'll hear from him soon. Okay. So we went, we had made plans to go see a movie. So we went to the movies. And pretty soon my phone rang and it was my ex-husband. And I stepped away from Riley because I wasn't, honestly, I wasn't going to be very nice because I was mad that it had been so long that I'd been trying to get a hold of the two of them. And he said, are you at home? And I said, no. And he said, oh. Well, Reagan's dead. She literally went from talking to us that morning and joking and making plans for Christmas break to a few hours later, she was gone. And through all the looking for answers and understanding, um, at noon, she, based off of texting and different activities on her computer, looks like she was okay and by 12:30 she had a plan and by two o'clock she was gone hmm. so I said that night I don't want anyone else to have to go through this and I said it over and over again I don't want anyone else to have to do this and we have we have to do something because how did this happen? How did it happen so quickly? And how did I not know the severity of the situation that she was in? So it took us some time, but um, we immediately started going to therapy. We immediately started going to support group. And I just needed to find my way of what we would do and how we would do it. And um, we ended up starting an organization called Shifting Gears for Reagan. Um, she raised four-wheelers, so that's where the shifting gears comes in. Um, and we really just focus on raising awareness. We fund suicide prevention programs um, in the area. Initially, we focused on rural communities. She was a student at Paola High School. Um, but ultimately, if there's a need we're more than happy to jump in and try to fulfill that need. So um, that's, that's where we kind of focus our attention, and that's what we do um, ongoing. We do uh, one fundraiser a year. That fundraiser is called our Shifting Gears Passport Cruise. We set up different destinations in the area, um, lavender farms, alpaca farm, breweries, wineries, um, lavender farm, you name it, just unique different places in our area. And we spend a day kind of cruising around. You pick and choose where you want to go and you visit those locations. And then we have a big party at the end and it's just so much fun. And it's an opportunity for us to just talk about mental health and talk about suicide prevention and the need for it and supporting parents and their 
efforts to try to keep their kids safe. Um, and it's interesting. I've had a lot of Reagan's friends who now are big grown-up kids, and they come and they just say, thank you so much. Like, I'm just so happy to know that people are now having this conversation because when they were in high school, we didn't have those conversations. Right. So that's what we do from day to day. Which is amazing um, that you have taken your pain and loss of your daughter, Reagan, and have channeled that into something so incredible and positive in our local community. And it's a big, cool event now. And it's it's desired and fun and it's 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 a lot of fun we look forward to it every year i mean it's a lot of work oh it's a lot of work but you're not afraid of hard work so yeah but we have a lot of fun yeah thank you for giving us a little bit of your background um so sylvia why don't you do the same tell us a little bit about your family and your story like the both of you this wasn't you know this wasn't a journey i chose it chose us and um, similarly to Reagan's story, you know, Chad had just finished his junior year at Blue Valley North. And, you know, Chad was a teenage boy. You know, teenage boys can be a little, you know, um, hard to put your finger on sometimes and where they're coming from and what is... Um, inspiring them to act certain ways and we thought we had you know just a a a typical teen boy he was uh he was pretty sensitive and he you know took things to heart but he was tons of fun to be around his friends and adults they all enjoyed being around Chad he had a great sense of humor he was a good athlete he was smart he had lots of friends and so we any challenges we had with him we figured it was growing pains you know he was a 17 year old boy um the June of 2017 um he had gotten into some trouble and you know there were repercussions for being in trouble and on um one Sunday, he was not allowed to go to a party that he really wanted to go to, um, and he was sent to his room. We weren't very happy with him, and he wasn't very happy with us, but I had gone in, gave him a kiss goodnight at 1030, you know, said, I'll see you in the morning, and at midnight, I woke up. And I decided to go in to check on him, and he had taken his life. So from having an emotional, um, angry teen at 10, 1030, to noon, losing your son, was just a gut punch, to say the very least. We, um, We were just blindsided that this would happen to our family. I mean, our family, we spent a lot of time together. He was 17 years old, and we still had dinner together almost every evening. We talked a lot. We engaged a lot. We supported each other. But to this day, I've learned 
And I would contend that even though we had a lot of right conversations, that Chad probably didn't have a place where he felt safe. He felt safe enough to say, I'm having these dark thoughts and they're, I'm not looking for just a reaction. It's genuine and I'm having trouble getting through them. You know, for me, when I look at Will, I mean, Will just, I look at him in awe because had Chad had, had that wherewithal, that strength to say, I need help, he may still be here. And he may be doing the things that Will's now set out to do. Like, this is, these are the struggles I've had, but this is how you can get through them. And, you know, since Chad didn't have that, he didn't, he didn't do what Will did. He didn't reach out. He didn't make it. Um, he didn't, we genuinely believe that he just didn't think it was okay to not be okay because everything he sees, you know, he has all these friends that are having fun and they're all smart and they're all, you know, attracting the girls and all of those things, you know, he, number one, I think would have thought it's, it's definitely not okay to not be okay. And um, secondly, I don't think he ever would wanted to share. And so part of this journey that we've been on is we want the kids to know that it's okay and to reach out for help because it's sometimes just saying what's on your mind takes this big weight off your shoulders. So on this journey, um, like BJ, we've, we've had to decide what we wanted to do with our heartbreak. And we were so wrapped in love in this community, and not only in love, but in um, funding. We started a GoFundMe, and effectively we were thinking we would do maybe some scholarships. Chad was a lacrosse player and we'd give some scholarships for lacrosse players. So much money came in that we said, you know, we have to do more with this. We have to, you know, work with the schools to put programs in place so that our kids have some resources to um, engage in mindfulness and self-regulation and things that our kids need to get them through some hard times. And so we started our family foundation. It's called Keep the Spark Alive. And um, Chad's, um, his um, nickname on the lacrosse team was Spark Plug, which we didn't learn until after Chad had passed. One of the, parent, one of the parents came in and said, well, the boys called him Spark Plug and spark plug and they said because he would lift up the team he was always there to say you know we got this you know let we can do this he was the spark on the lacrosse team and that's how the name keep the spark alive originated and we have three missions we we have three missions where we want to bring awareness and prevention of teen suicide we we have a heart for those left behind this is a hard painful journey and we need a lot of help a lot of resources so that's our second mission 
and the third mi mission just to honor Chad's life with with um, the work we do, the scholarships and things that just would honor him. So that's where our foundation came from and um, what we've tried to do with our money and resource. BJ and I met in 2017. Um, there was a um, suicide survivors group being run at Church of the Resurrection in July of 2017, which was a month after we lost Chad, um, that support group was put into place. The first meeting had 100 people at it. Wow. There had been such um, a just huge number of suicides in two, 2017. And um, it was supposed to be kind of a two-gathering thing, and there were so many people interested in that support that it was an ongoing support group at Church of the Resurrection. Um, in January of 2018, BJ and Jeremy came to their first um, suicide survivors group. Um, so the two of us met six months after Chad and weeks after BJ lost Reagan. And... Um, we were connected, and that connection, uh, that that coffee that we went to <laughs> on a Saturday, and it had a three-hour, you know, just heart-to-heart -heart discussion, became two moms that had a common mission. We had kids that we we believed, and they genuinely were great kids, well-adjusted kids that made this horrific decision so impulsively and we decided well what what can we do what can we do to put things in place resources in place so that these kids spend 20 minutes remembering all the reasons they have to live rather than the ways to take their own life because BJ had heard in a therapy session from her therapist that do you want to tell the story, or would you like me to relay your story? You're just you're a I, you can you can chime in on your part of the story, and I can and then I can take over on mine. Um, so it was March of 2018. So I was um, three months into my journey. Um, I was at a counseling session, and. The counselor said to me, uh, my oldest daughter was with me, and she said, I can tell that you are an amazing mom. And that statement devastated me. Because how can I be an amazing mom? My kid's dead. I lost my child. I'm the one person who was supposed to keep her safe, and I failed to do that. And I didn't even know that there was a problem. So no, I'm not an amazing mom. I'm a horrible mom. And she just shook her head and she said, no. And I said, I have sat through so many support group meetings and grief counseling sessions. And I've read so many things about suicide. And they all talk about the signs. There's all these signs. Clearly, 
I miss them all. That makes me a bad mom. And she said, no, it doesn't, because sometimes there aren't signs. Sometimes it happens in a matter of minutes. And she said, yes, a lot of times there are people who are struggling. They have a mental health condition, and those can be identified, and you can get them help. But sometimes, especially in teenagers, something happens some devastating thing, devastating to a teenager, because what we see as adults as a, as a little thing, they see as a big thing because it's their whole world. Something happens and they make an instant decision. And she said, statistically, that can happen in 20 minutes. I blown away. I sat there just completely blown away. I had no idea that that was even a thing. That's not what people tell you. That's not what you read in all of the articles and all of the statistics and all of the things that come from the CDC or whoever. We're led to believe that people who take their life are people who have mental health conditions. And so I just, I, I just couldn't even process it. And the minute we left, I grabbed my phone and I start texting Sylvia and I'm like, maybe, maybe we aren't horrible moms. Maybe we didn't fail our children. Maybe this is what happened. Maybe because Chad was so angry about getting in trouble, because Reagan was so stressed and just, she just had made up her mind that she was going to fail her test and her dreams of being a nurse would be gone forever. And then adding a sick day on top of it just set her back even further. Maybe that's why we lost our kids. Maybe this is what our mission is. We have to tell parents like that their normal, air quote normal, mm-hmm. kids are at just as much risk as those kids who are currently in therapy because life is going to knock you down. It's just how it works. They're going to get knocked down. It's part of growing and learning and experience life. And so um, I said, I just, I just really think with all of my heart, I think that this is what we are meant to do. So the, Mm. so the whole idea of impulsivity in teens, Yes. if you say that out side of the suicide we all agree they're impulsive absolutely so now we had to you know get the word out that they can be impulsive making this horrific decision as well so i when i was in my counseling um because as you know we've mentioned that you know this has takes a lot of work to um get through this journey and I was in this session with my therapist and I'm just crying saying Chad had so much that he loved he had so much in his world and I'm just rattling it off you know what he loved he loved lacrosse and soccer and swimming and skiing and his dog and his family and his friends and, and I'm just sobbing and Stevie my therapist in her infinite wisdom says well, maybe we need to give the kids a box and have a box where they keep all of these pictures and mementos and dreams for their future that they can 
pull out and look at when they're sad and when they're anxious and when they're just feeling like life has knocked them down to look at this box. And so, of course, after that session, session I called BJ and I'm like, Stevie said we need a box. And she's like, oh, and Miranda said, you know, they make this decision in 20 minutes. And those ideas came together where we figured we had to populate this idea that kids make this impulsive decision and we had to give them tools and resources to get through those 20 minutes of darkness with no plan <laughs> on how we were going to do that and have them create this life box. And, you know, what we've decided to put in front of the kids are resources that we've used because, you know, as I keep mentioning this is a horrific journey, but we've learned lots of tools and lots of ways to combat the darkness, and we share some of what's worked for us with the kids mm -hmm. when we do the Gimme 20 workshop. So that's how it evolved. And just listening to you, and I've heard these stories before, I've heard both of your stories before, but it never, it never does an impact me and I'm sure it can't possibly not impact you retelling it and I just want to tell you both how sorry I am that you lost your children and Reagan and Chad and and as a mom that's my biggest fear and I think that's a lot of our biggest fears and you guys have lived through that and yet you've taken that your pain and your indescribable grief and you've said you know what we want to do something to stop one more mm -hmm. one more kid one more well, one more and, and that's what we have to remind ourselves every time that we go into a school or we have a workshop it you know we know that not every kid that's sitting there is in a place that they're ready to hear what we have to say but if they walk away with one thing, one message, one little nugget of information that's plugged into their brain that comes back in that fleeting moment of making a life-ending decision, we did our job. And, you know, when we had this conversation of, you know, what would it be and how would we do it? And I remember we sat down at breakfast one day and we were talking and just kind of brainstorming ideas and I just I had this idea in my head of you know we could we could do this presentation and there could be a workshop at the end and they could build their boxes and it would be this little crafty time and we would have these activities and and you know at some point maybe we could like be in front of entire like classes at school or grade levels or at the entire school and she was just like She's no. out of her mind. No. <laughs> She's lost her marbles. We were, you know, I was three months into my grief. She mm. was nine months into her grief. Yeah. She was like, PJ, we're doing good just to get ourselves out of bed every single day. Mm. Like, that's, that's a big, like, that's a big dream to, like, be able to do that. And I said, but they have to know. They have to know. The kids have to have these tools. They have to know. And now... <laughs> Um, four and a half years later, mm -hmm. um, we are doing that. We are at schools. We are in front of entire grade levels. We are, um, we 
we just did juniors and seniors at Blue Valley West. That was almost 800 kids at one time. Um, you know, we've we've done some of the smaller like private schools like Scion. We did the entire school. Um, and it's just amazing to me because always, I don't think that there's been a single time that we've done a presentation and next week we'll hit 10,000. Um, there's not a single time we haven't had at least one kid come up and say, thank you. I just thank you so much for being here and thank you for what you had to say. Like they needed to hear it. Yep. And what they hear, you know, like we've said, if they just get one nugget, one piece, and we have this workshop where we're, we're soliciting feedback from the kids and asking them what resonates with them. It's so much more than a box. Yeah. The, the program itself, we start off with an introduction video and it tells a little bit about our kids and um, it shares who they were and um, talks about our program and what we're going to do in the workshop. And one of the kids mentioned in his feedback when he was talking about, um, you know, BJ and I being up there in front of them, he said, you know, I've had these suicidal ideation thoughts and seeing those two up there, I thought that could be my family up there. Mm. But so if they get in a lot of uh, one of the nuggets they take away from that video and they say it over and over is they didn't realize that ending their pain transferred their pain to all the people they love. They said they say, I, I had no idea. So their kids, they, you know, they don't think that far ahead. But then we do this series of exercises on some of the, you know, tools we've used on our journey. We have um, exercises where there's a gratitude exercise. Gratitude can take you so far. And we explain to the kids, you don't have to be grateful for the bad situation you're in, but you can find things to be grateful for while you're going through that, that challenge. And so that is a mindset. You learn to look at things a little differently. So when you're, when you're encountering an obstacle, you have a way to address it, to get through it. So we go through and do, you know, different activities with them so that they can, you know, get through those dark moments. And then they make the life box where they put all these pictures and inspirational sayings and their dreams for the future in this box. And so that they can look at it when they're having those challenging moments. And we've begun, we've begun to stay. It's not static. It's not, Oh, this is your box and you're done. It grows with you. It grows as you change and your interests change and things, new things that make you happy to get through those moments of darkness. And so we used to say we had this workshop that was really three pieces, our intro video, the activities and creation of the life box, which in itself, we've had therapists say that it's tactile and, you know, they're doing it on their own and they're creative and they're engaging, which is also 
you know, good for your mental health. But what we've heard from the kids is really there's a fourth piece, and that's just BJ and I being in front of them. We're real people. We're not Mm -hmm. on a video. We're not, they can touch us, they can feel us, they can see our pain. And you see them look at our video and they look at us, they look at our Mm -hmm. video and they look at us and they're, 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 you can see it registering, oh my gosh, this is really them. Mm. So it takes on a new, a new impact for them, having moms that have experienced this and have gone through this incredibly difficult thing, and we're still in front of them, mm-hmm. and we're still there to help them, and we found ways to get through that. So all of that kind of comes together, and we really didn't realize the way it was coming together until we started to hear their feedback. And they all home in on something different. They all home mm-hmm. in on some component that's resonating with them, and um, it's inspired us to keep doing what we do. Well, and you guys have obviously worked tirelessly. I said that earlier, but so 10,000 kids. Kids. Well, we say kids, but technically Students. we've done some adults too. Okay. Um, there's been a couple of schools that have had us come in and present to all of their staff because they wanted yes. the tools for their staff. Yes. Um, because they need it too. They, they need do. it too. And it's twofold. They need it for themselves to manage their own mental Absolutely. health. And they need to know those tools. But then they also tell us, this makes me feel better equipped to help my students. Mm-hmm. I'm not so scared now when a kid comes to me and says, I'm really struggling and I need to talk. They feel empowered. Like, I can do this. Because we tell them. We tell the kids. We tell the staff. We tell everyone, you don't have to be an expert to help somebody you care about. You just have to listen. Absolutely. And together, the two of you can find the help that you need. Yeah. And so many kids, I mean, my own son went to an educator. That's where he went when he asked for help. And I, whenever I speak to teachers or schools, I I reiterate that, like that is a huge responsibility, but that, but that's also, I feel like it should elevate educators and in a way that they know how important they are, that they're so important that kids come to them with those you know, needs and desires, and they're opening up and sharing their, you know, very deepest thoughts with them. And so that's, that's phenomenal. In, in our opening video, in our introduction video, Shanna, Shanna Burgess yes. from Johnson County Mental Health is in that video. And she says, it's kind of the wrap up of our video. And she says, um, you don't have to be a mental health expert, just listen just be there and listen for your friends and that's enough to get them to the next step and we share with the kids things that they don't really know you know even when they call the johnson county crisis line which actually rolls to the same people that 988 rolls to if you dial locally, Mm -hmm. that they don't have to be in a suicide crisis, but they can bounce off, 
you know, just, you know what, my friend said this or my mom's acting this way and I don't know if I should worry or, and they don't have to share their names. They don't have to share their friends' names, but they have someone there to bounce things off of from a mental health perspective. Um, we hadn't, um, we did a sources of strength training at Blue Valley North. And after that training, it was about 30, 40 kids mm -hmm. were in there. It was before Thanksgiving last year. Um, one of the girls reached out to us through um, our Instagram, Instagram mm -hmm. account. And I tell the kids all the time, it's lucky BJ stays up later <laughs> than me because she got that, mm. that message. And it was one of the girls saying she was worried about a friend of mm. hers. And BJ reminded her that we shared the Johnson County crisis line number and he, if she wanted to call it and if she wanted BJ to stay on the line with her and she said, no, 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 I'm, I'm okay. I'll call them. And she called the crisis line. They walked through it with her mm. and they did a well check on her friend and they, she probably saved her friend's lives. Isn't that amazing? So wow. when even your educators, your teachers now have that tool, Yes, they hear us say that. Yes. And that's just even helping them call that yes. number and connecting them yes. with a mental health expert and resource here that can help us navigate us all of this you know just sharing those tools empowers Absolutely. our administrators and our yeah. teachers yeah. and our yes. parents and as shanna burgess said in the interview and I, this is my new mantra you don't have to wait until it's crisis enough right call 988 anywhere anytime you don't have to wait till tomorrow morning you can call at two o'clock in the morning and anyone can call at any time. So that oh, that's amazing. Thank you for walking that student through that, too. I mean, that's incredible. Yeah. I mean, it's scary, right? Sure. When they reach out and they say that and you think, oh, my gosh, I have to help this person right now. But I just I think for us to be able to start giving the kids tools and empowering them that, you know, it's. I think so many times kids think I'm just a kid and nobody cares. Mm -hmm. Nobody cares what I have to say. I'm just a kid. I can't help anybody. Like it's not true. Not like true. peers helping peers is one of the most amazing things. It's a, and it's an incredible thing to watch. Um, and actually that's one of the activities that we have that we do in our workshop um, came specifically out of Reagan's friends and, um, when we learned about the 20-minute statistic, I was really hung up on this idea of what if, what if a person knew that you were in that window? Mm. Like, what, what would they do? What, what would you say? Because I was hung up on the fact of if I could have talked to her, I could have stopped it. And so I reached out to her friends and I said, if you could have talked to Reagan in the last 20 minutes, what would you have said? And their words were amazing. It absolutely broke my heart to read them, but it just was amazing to me because it was so clear that they would have walked through fire for her. Mm. They would have done anything and I thought, okay, how do you harness that? 
how do we make that work for the living? How do we use that as a tool to keep people alive? And so we created one of our activities is that we ask them to write notes to their friends. And, and you know, we're pretty straightforward with the kids. Mm-hmm. Like we don't sugarcoat it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I tell them where it came from. Sure. And I say to them, sometimes we say these things when it's too late. But what if you could say them now? What would you say to your friend if you thought that there was a chance that you wouldn't ever get to talk to them again? What if you're not going to ever see them after tomorrow? What would you say? And a lot of the schools will send home a note and ask parents to submit notes for their kids Mm. that they'll put in their boxes ahead of time. And it's really, it's so powerful. It's really amazing to watch. Um, Causes a few tears usually, but these kids open up their boxes and they see these letters from mom or grandma or their brother or sister, whatever it is. Sometimes kids have multiple letters in their box and they're just like completely beside themselves. And I asked a girl the other day, we had a workshop and this girl, she was just crying and crying and crying. And I, and I said, what made you so sad? And she said, it was the note from my mom. And I said, did it make you cry because you were sad? Or did it make you cry because it was just a lot? And ultimately, it made you happy. And she kind of had to think about it for a minute. And she said, no, it did make me happy. But it was a lot to take in. And I just thought, you know what? I isn't that amazing? Yes. Like we need to give that to the people we love. I always say we need to give that to our children, but honestly, we need to give that to all the people we love, right? Yes. We have cards for one another that we keep in our boxes. And we at one time read them to the kids. We don't anymore because it makes no, us cry. Sometimes but we do. Well, sometimes you pull yours out and I walk away. That I, <laughs> I dig through and I'm looking for my card. But with the schools, you know, it's a lot of work to oh, I get can't that, even imagine. that that all of that feedback from people to put into this exercise to make it so much more powerful. And of course, they don't get responses from all the families so the administrators write them and some of the um, schools they you know they're a little leery because they say oh gosh I don't want to hurt the kids feelings if they don't get something from home but um, one of the kids said you know when they had this incredible note from one of their teachers is that my parents have to say those things, but mm. that teacher didn't or that coach didn't. Oh, wow. And so, you know, when they did um, Oxford and they said, Lori Cook said she divvied them up. She just put a Google Doc out there and she asked the teachers, OK, take these are the kids. And she said they just they just grabbed them mm. all up and they they did these heartwarming notes for them and they're powerful at harmony this year they it was a, it was a cry fest wow. the kids were crying but it was you know so um powerful for them it was just incredibly powerful to hear those words like bj said that we 
sometimes hold on to and don't get mm. the chance to share with our loved ones. Right. So it's impactful. And in the feedback we've gotten from the kids, lots of them mention what they remember is the note, mm. uh, the note I got from my mom, the note I got from my teacher mm. out at Pleasant Ridge, Chad's um, principal is out there and she gets in front of her kids and she, when we're describing this exercise and she says and let me tell you what i would have written to chad oh. mm. that's pretty uplifting wow. <laughs> that was a cry fest oh, that day too. and the kids just you know imagine. they they because you know phoebe knew chad when he was their age and she just said, you had a smile that would light up the room. And she just goes through all of this. And you could just see the kids. It's almost like they hadn't really thought of it before. Mm. You know, it just, it resonates with them. Mm -hmm. This is K through 12 and beyond, right? Well, so sixth grade is usually... Okay. Um, I'm thinking that is a lot of curriculum you guys have had to write. <laughs> I don't even know how you've done that in this short of amount of time. Like I said, we're pretty frank in our conversation. Mm -hmm. So we've had some people ask about doing it with elementary age kids. And while we could, we would probably need to change our conversation just a little bit. Right. Because we're very forward with this is a suicide conversation. Mm -hmm. And we have had a couple of schools say, could we maybe not necessarily talk about suicide? And my answer to that is no. Yeah. Our, that's our message. Yes. Our, we're here to talk about suicide prevention because if I'm going to tell my child's story, obviously suicide's going to come up. It's, it's right. a big part of the story. So I'm not willing to sugarcoat that mm -hmm. because my child is gone. And my mission is to keep all of those kids alive. So, no, I'm not going to sugarcoat my message. But we're still passionate about getting the resiliency and coping skills and mindfulness activities to the elementary school kids. And that's where our funding comes in mm -hmm. from our family foundations. We've funded like Project mm -hmm. Happiness and Sources of Strength, ideally at the elementary school level one day, where the kids are getting the tools to um, promote their mental health, but it's not really targeted right. at suicide prevention. We've thought that sixth grade mm -hmm. is um, appropriate. We've heard from one of the local school districts, and when they had us in, um, their reason for having us in and addressing the entire middle school was because they had multiple attempts in sixth grade. Yeah. So yes. we need to get that into their hands you know, the suicide prevention discussion yes. into their hands. At and we feel age. like it's, but sometimes we look at them and we think, oh, they look so young. Mm -hmm. They're such, but it's in the world we live in, right. it's, you know, the kids have access to that social media and to those pressures and it's younger and younger. So we think our program's really appropriate, sixth grade and up we uh, did um, a youth um, a student parent presentation at ascension mm -hmm. and some of the parents were there with the kids um, and heard our discussion and created the life box with them and one of the moms came up to us afterwards and said can i take one of those packets home to my husband 
he's been really struggling mm. and, and I'd love to do this with him. Wow. So we don't think, you know, it's not just a kid thing. It's a. Absolutely. It's a, it's it's a, a human being thing. It's a human being thing. Well, yeah. and we also tell the kids that it's a great way. You know, it's a lot of the kids have started to say, at least in the Johnson County schools, because this is an ongoing conversation and, and most of the Johnson County schools have done a great job of really breaking down the stigma. Um, but they've said, but it's my parents who need to hear this. I'm glad you said that because I was going to ask you uh, about that. And is some of the pushback, which I don't even know if that's the right word, um, about you being so frank when in your conversation is that misnomer that if you talk about suicide, you're going to plant ideas in these kids' heads. I mean, have you all heard that? And well, that's a that's a real sore point for me mm. um, because with Reagan's school, there was no conversation around her death because they felt that um, by talking about her was glorifying suicide. Oh, wow. So that is a real um, hot button for mm -hmm. me and why I feel like it's so important for kids to understand. But it's, it is important for parents to understand. And unfortunately, we don't have easy access to a gathering of parents the way mm -hmm. we have kids in school every mm -hmm. day. But what we tell the kids is this is a great opportunity for you to start a conversation with your parents. And we do ask the schools to send stuff home ahead of time so they can watch the trailer to our video. They can look at our website. They, we have a couple of news interviews we've done. We send those links so that they can share them with parents and they know what we're talking about. But they can take their box home and hopefully parents are saying, oh, you did your box today. Talk mm -hmm. to me about it. And, you know, some of the activities we tell the kids, if you're struggling to fill this out, have a conversation with your parents, you know, have get their thoughts on how they see you. Um, talk to your friends, talk to your teachers, because sometimes we maybe don't have a very good image of ourselves, but maybe the people around us can kind of share how they see you and it lifts you up. So we do encourage the kids to have a conversation at home and show their box and hope then that parents engage in that conversation. Um, but I, I mean, yeah, parents need to know. Parents yes. need to have the same understanding. Yes. Um, we just don't have access but, to them. You know, but it's a learning. You, you're, you're learning this. Yes. The parents don't know what they don't know. Absolutely. Right? They don't know. I didn't so. know this six years ago. And, and there's so <laughs> many, we typically get a half an hour to be in front of the kids, mm. typically, yeah. uh, you know, in the schools, a half an hour to do our spiel, which includes our video and us chatting. And while we're chatting outside of doing the discussion of the activities, we throw in lots of tidbits, mm -hmm. tidbits that have resonated with us. And over and over, we hear that parents don't know the tidbits, the crisis line, mm -hmm. 988, that you don't have to be in suicidal crisis to call those numbers. A lot of them don't know that. Yes. So they have that as a resource. But other things they don't know, you know, doing the breathing exercises. We talk to the kids about, you know, when they're so upset and anxious and they can't get themselves out of that dark moment, 
that they always have their breath. And we joke that, you know, even in the car, if your mom's on your nerves, you have your breath. Mm. And lots of them out there, and we tell them, you know, four, seven, eight. You breathe in for four, you hold it for seven, and you let it out as hard as you can for eight using your belly, the mm-hmm. diaphragmatic mm-hmm. breathing. And you can see them all going. And sometimes we do the exercise, and then they get real riled, so we try, don't. We've moved away from doing it in person. But there's other things that we've, you know, we throw out there, and one of them is ice and cold. When your body is in such that fight or flight environment, you can't calm your body down, which in turn you can't calm your mind down. And we tell them if you have access to ice or a cold spigot, you know, sticking your head under that cold spigot or holding on to ice or putting ice on your chest, it calms your body down, which in turn helps you calm your mind down. We said this at one of our workshops a few months ago, and one of the moms comes up and says, that's funny, you should mention that. We were at Colorado State doing a college visit, and their science department was doing an experiment on ice. No kidding. And how it gets your brain waves down. Wow. Holding ice. And we're like, score. <laughs> so you so, guys are way ahead of the research. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, so that, you know, just those things. And it's not like we've said, it's not, it's just what's resonated with us. Mm-hmm. What's worked with us that we feel the kids can glob onto something that they hold on to. Mm-hmm. Have you done any presentations at the college level? We have not. And you know not what it yet. primarily is, is there's not a yeah. good, you don't have a grade level. You don't yeah. have a, you know, it, there's not a easy way for us to say, okay, you know, is it a certain teacher or a certain, it's not, it's not as easy to just come in and find the right place mm-hmm. to do that. Well, and it, Every step along the way, every school district, it's been, we need a cheerleader. Somebody needs to... In that school. To, yes. Okay. To, For to that district. bring us okay. in. Okay. And we did a staff presentation a few weeks ago, and I had a staff member say, ask the same thing. Have you done this on a college level? And I said, no, you know, we need a way to have our foot in the door. We're not... It's just the two of us. We do every aspect of this business. And so we're not out there pursuing actively um, other schools to get into. So we're not sending our information to colleges saying, mm-hmm. hey, you should bring us. Mm-hmm. And she said, um, where you need to be is um, in the housing you need to do something with all of the RAs Ooh, yeah. and give this tool to the RAs. So they can then in turn do it. That's a great And I was idea. like, oh, well, that's a that's a good thought. But, I mean, again, there's, there's only so go, many hours in the day. I'm not going to go knocking on all the university doors sure. saying, hey, I want to talk but to you. But what a RAs. great idea. Yeah. But, so, but to that point, oh, sorry, Sylvia, go ahead. Oh, 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 I was just... See what your question is, and see if okay. my statement was good. Well, I was just thinking because there's, it's just the two of you. You guys probably were. I have no idea how many hours a week you work, but it's probably a, a lot. lot. Mm-hmm. Do you see a time when you would bring in others to expand the reach? You know, we've had a lot of people ask that question, and here's where I struggle. 
number one, it's our baby, yeah, right? Sure. Um, we would love to bring someone in to do the coordination part of it. There's a lot that we do of, you know, meeting with school counselors or the teachers or whoever is going to facilitate it within a school and um, kind of getting them lined out on this is what you need to do on your end. Meanwhile, we're coordinating supplies and doing all of that. We would love to have somebody do that. But when it comes to the presentations, Mm -hmm. you going to a school, while your message is very powerful, your story is not our story. Absolutely. And so it's not delivered the same way. And it doesn't like we initially in the beginning offered to where you could just um, get a present like a presenter packet mm-hmm. and you could then do like, let's say you had a Boy Scout troop and you were looking to do some type of suicide prevention activity. You could get our presenter packet and you could sit down with your troop and you could do this. It's not the same mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. And so we finally were like, oh, we're not going to do it that way anymore because it's the message is completely different. And while the message is still probably powerful, it's just doesn't have the same value because number one, they're, they're getting to experience our loss mm-hmm. through our eyes, mm-hmm. but they're also getting to see our ability to survive. And we're very honest with that in our conversation of number one, these are tools that we used in our journey But two, you don't have to do anything alone. We don't do, we haven't survived our journey because we did it by ourselves. We do it together and with a group of other people and our spouses and our families. But um, no pain lasts forever. Mm. That's, That's our ongoing message to the kids is if we can survive the worst pain and we've used these tools to survive them, then no matter what you're going to face in your life along the way, the pain doesn't last forever. Mm. You can survive hard things. And so that message isn't the same coming from Mr. You know, Boy Scout troop leader or whatever. Sure. But with that being said, when Blue Valley North wanted to do the entire school last year and they asked for 44 sessions. Oh, wow. <laughs> and that yeah. wasn't, you know, what we did is we had just come out of the pandemic where mm-hmm. we had been doing all of our presentations on Zoom mm-hmm. and we recorded one of our Zoom sessions so that they could put that recording in front of their kids and that feedback that we've been alluding to today that the kids take away that those kids saw our video so it was like the second you know Mm -hmm. tear down it what they didn't have bj and i flesh and bones in front of them but they had us on video Mm -hmm. and they had that introduction video and it still resonates with them. And when Vicki Peterson sent an email to us last week and she said she's been saying from the beginning that it's the most powerful suicide prevention lesson that they've, they've put in place and that the kids leave hope-filled rather than it becoming just such a... a 
topic of angst. Mm. You know, they they leave feeling hopeful that they have tools, tools to support their friends and themselves. So, and they still said that even when they saw our videos. So we have a way to expand and, you know, rather than that being a recording of the Zoom, if we did a recording of our workshop, we feel like we can continue to expand. Um, but we kind of have tears, you know, ideal sure. is we're in front of them. And now we've learned that we can do it in front of a large group and still be really effective. But we can, you know, when people are asking you know remotely we have ways to put it in front of them and it's like everything else we like you're seeing we it's one piece mm -hmm. at a time yep. and people have started to say have you ever thought about recording mm -hmm. and if we get the right person in and we have them record a few sessions and we splice it mm -hmm. and we put together our best you know parts and get that in front of kids then we can you know still be there without being there in person which makes me happy because I've been saying this for a long time. This needs to be nationwide because this is such an incredible program. But the two of you can only work so many hours a day <laughs> and you can only be in so many places on, yep. in one day. So yep. there, there's the plan. I love that. Mm -hmm. So what have I not asked you or what have we not talked about that you find that you would really like to share with with parents who are listening to this episode talk to your kids mm. and give them the safe place and the safe place being you know when I started this discussion with Chad um, not having a safe place he would never have wanted to hurt our feelings he would never have wanted to break our hearts that this is the way he felt or it could have also been, you know what, buddy, really? You know, you, what do you have to be sad about? So you, we have to encourage parents to be receptive to things that they'll be hearing that might not be easy for them to hear. That reception is gives the kids a safe place to share how they're feeling. So that's the one thing that I look back on that we did wrong. You know, I would have, you know, me, he, Chad would never have wanted to break my heart that mm -hmm. way. You've got to give them permission to break your heart and that you can get through it together. Mm. You can mm -hmm. get through it together, even with a broken heart or even with, you know, these struggles you're having. So, mm. you know, that's one piece that we um, encourage the parents to um, and to be just open-minded that it's a lot harder to be a kid today yes. than when we were kids. And we do a little pretty big discussion with the kids that because it's so much harder for them to be a kid today, we owe them more tools. We owe them more resources. And this is just a tool, uh, resources that BJ and I have come up with. There's many more they have access to. But for us, these are some tools that we've seen that worked. And because they live in this world of social media, they have to have a way to get through, you know, having their their feelings hurt all the time and right. we tell them <laughs> and this last time and you know we've had this kind of down you know our mutt and jeff you know discussion and we know how to tag team off of each other and 
for some reason, you know, I tell the kids, you know, it hurts my feelings if BJ was out with my friends, if you and BJ are out to lunch and you didn't include me. And I said, mm-hmm. when, you know, not only do we, you know, have to feel left out, but I, you see a picture of what they right. ate. <laughs> and I said, out of the blue, I said, you know what, I got to see a picture of BJ's Reuben because we both like Reuben. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, that's but it, hard. But that's real. And, and it's, it's there and they can look at yep. it. And for it's, yeah, yeah. Hours. And, why and it's I hard invited? for us. It's hard for an adult. So it's even yeah. it's astronomically harder for them. Yep. So because it's harder, we owe them more mm. tools. That's but good. I think too, we we as parents, a lot of times, if our kids aren't saying something's wrong, then we assume it's all okay. Mm. And I think just constantly checking in with your kids and evaluating them and thinking, okay, is this behavior because of this, or is it because of there's something else going on that I'm not recognizing. And that's, I try really hard to do that with my kids now to, you know, I took for granted before that if they weren't telling me something was wrong, if I couldn't see it all over their face, then we must be okay. And we had conversations about, you know, if there's anything wrong, you can come to me and we can talk. But like Sylvia said, it's, it's having that safe space to do it. And, and we also encourage kids in our workshops that, Maybe your person isn't mom. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's somebody else, and that's okay. It is okay. Just have a person. Yes. Yes. Will went to his eighth grade counselor because he didn't feel safe coming to me or to Dan. So, and I'm very thankful for her. Yep. And, it, and yeah. So yeah, that's great advice, and just the the listening part. I don't think that I always did such a good job of that, and. I think if I could go back, like you guys, I yep. would I would just stop talking and listen a whole lot more. Yep. And stop trying to fix everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's I, what moms do. And I, you know, I say a lot of times, um, you know, we're not experts. We're, we're just two moms. Yeah. Yeah. Just mom. <laughs> and um, we did a panel discussion with Tim DeWeese here, I don't know, a few months ago. And I, we were introducing ourselves and I'm like, you know, we were on this panel with all these experts. I'm like, we're, we're just moms. We're, we're not experts. And he said, actually, I think um, you guys probably have a lot more insight into all of this than the rest of us. Because it's our lived experience. Yep. It's our pain. And we're using that pain to just try to make a difference for other people. And it's what gets us out of bed every single day. You know, in when we're wrapping up this podcast, you know, as you know, you know, this past year, um, Blue Valley School District didn't lose a child to suicide, which was the first time that we had that happen in over eight years. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a culmination of all of us working together. Your podcast in addressing the parents and their concerns and BJ and I wanting to get tools in front of the teens to get through dark moments and zero reasons why having this story telling campaign where they share their stories and make it okay and make it okay to have those discussions and to break the stigma associated with mental health and the counselors um, having these tools and schools having us in to give tools to the teachers. They don't, nobody has to take 
all of it on, but we're all taking all of these different pieces and we're working together and it's having an effect. Yes. It's having an effect of less suicides in our community after everywhere else in the country, the suicide, not everywhere, that's a big word, around the country, suicide rates raising because their communities haven't engaged in all of these tough discussions. Mm -hmm. They're really hard conversations to have. But what we're seeing is we're seeing the fruits of those labors. We're seeing it come together and the parents being more receptive to your podcast and the kids listening to us and the kids thanking us for having this discussion and saying my older sister didn't have this ability because Mm. we weren't having these discussions five years ago. Every time we walk out, it's bittersweet for us because had this been in place five years ago, we might not have been sitting here having this conversation with you today. So I think that the parents need to know that, that they can influence their little piece. Yes. If it's just having the conversations or opening up a safe place or um, giving funds to the family organizations who are sponsoring these programs in their schools. Yes. You know, um, BJ mentioned that she does her fundraiser, as you know, Mm -hmm. from because you are my volunteer extraordinaire. Uh. (laughs) You know, I keep the Spark Alive golf tournament. We raise funds that go back into the school and back into the communities and Mm -hmm. doing this program takes money yes it takes you know it takes resources bj is so (laughs) she is so meticulous about you know saving every penny Mm. on the printing because when you're doing a lot of it yes you know those numbers those numbers add up you know the um leadership op Mm. took us on as their charity of choice last year um and they raised funds for our workshop mm. so that we can give grants to schools that might not be able to pay for it on their own. And they got behind our mission and have reached out to us regularly to find out how it's going. And it expands our reach. Yes. And so people in the business world are engaging and families are engaging and family foundations and schools. And it's all... It's all having an impact yes. that um, I think parents can engage in a lot of different pieces to help in this you know, quest to end teen suicide. I think that that is so well said because I think oftentimes we as human beings can get really overwhelmed thinking, well, I, this is a huge problem. What can I do? I'm just one person. Well, if you do your part, right, Right. whatever that is and whatever little microcosm that is, that's going to make a difference. And right now, as of last week, we have listeners in 40 different states. So that means that people are listening to this and they're saying, well, I don't have anything like this in our community. Well, what I would encourage you listeners to do, do something with that, whatever it is, whatever your capabilities are, like Sylvia and BJ have done, created this amazing program, you know, start with what you know how to do, right? Yep. And go from there because it's making a difference in our community, in our little piece of the world. 
And um, by making a difference in this little piece of the world, we have other communities, other states, other cities saying, how did you do that? that? And, you know, when, when we have these stories written about us and People come to us, oh, can, can you do that in my community? Well, we just talked about really mm-hmm. what makes it work is all the different pieces mm-hmm. that are um, working together to tackle this mm-hmm. epidemic. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if you want to support BJ and I, we have an Amazon wish list. Excellent. And on that wish list, we have all the different supplies we use in our workshop. Um, the kids need things to put on their boxes. And we have, you know, printed duct tape and googly eyes and inspirational sayings. And all of that, you know, costs money. Mm-hmm. If you uh, spend $10 on a bag of googly eyes, we'll put that to good use in our workshops and it's easy for just a kid if you have a kid who says I want to help mm-hmm. they can go there and they can look down all these fun these fun um, craft supplies and say I'm going to send that to them and then we use it we use it in our workshops you know we went to we did um, Knox Presbyterian youth group mm. and the parents are there and they had great fun making their boxes with the kids they're picking through the all of the inspirational sayings and putting the pussy balls yeah. on their boxes. Because it doesn't matter if you're 60 or if you're 16. Mm-hmm. Everybody loves a sticker, mm-hmm. you know? Right. Like, if they're not crafty, they're over there going through the stickers, putting them on their yes. boxes. It's, so, yeah, there's, like, we absolutely, that mm. we can use craft supplies and, and money you know, for printed materials mm-hmm. and all of those things because you're right. I, you know, Sylvia laughs at me because I'm like, if we print, if we make it this size, it'll be, you know, a half a cent a card. But if we do it this way, it'll be two cents a card. And while that sounds crazy, when it's times 10,000. That's a lot. That's a lot. So I'm always constantly looking at where can we, you know, shave this and shave that and make it work better. And anytime we get you know, little surprise deliveries from Amazon that have craft supplies mm. in it. I'm doing a little happy dance at my house because. So yeah, there are lots of ways to, to help. So, you know, Absolutely. Girl Scout troop can, you know, do it with the supplies yeah. and they have a lot of fun doing that. Or you can make a donation to the program mm-hmm. or to either of our family foundations, mm-hmm. keep the spark alive or shifting gears for Reagan. And because if we're, we don't generate those funds, you know, then we're, you know, we're in this position where we have to balance fundraising, which is a lot of work. Yes, it is. And getting the program out there. Yes. So, you know, that's... Yes, and I will have all of those references in the show notes. So both of your family foundations, Shifting Gears for Reagan, as well as Keep the Spark Alive. And I will also have uh, the Give Me 20 website as Mm -hmm. well, so that People can go to any of those websites, and and if you didn't know that about your organizations before listening to this podcast, every penny is used mm-hmm. for yep. suicide prevention. Mm-hmm. Every penny, and mm-hmm. I know that because I've been around you guys. But I think just listening to you talk, I just it just encourages me. You know, no amount is too small. One dollar, yep. yep. one pack of googly yep. eyes. Yep. yep. So yep. it makes all the difference in the world for us. Well, you guys are amazing. You are a constant inspiration to me, oh. truly. And um, Sylvia knows that big reason I'm sitting here is because of, of her. And I talked about that in um, 
uh, can you, I think it was episode three. So I won't rehash that, but um, you guys are so inspiring um, to me with the work that you do and the way you have taken uh, your pain and your loss and you're using it to help others is just truly incredible. So thank you for just being who you guys are and all the incredible work that you do. And thank, thank you. And we thank you for being on this episode of Just a Mom. Thank you. We appreciate the work you do. Well, like you said, I'm just a mom, right? Yep. So, and so are we. What, Moms one, are powerful. <laughs> one person at a time. Yep. So thank you guys. Thanks, thank Susie. You. If you or someone you know is struggling with suicidal thoughts or ideation, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 988. If you found this podcast helpful, please subscribe and leave a rating and or a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, please share this with your friends and anyone you think may find these interviews helpful. Thanks again for listening to Just a Mom.